everyone. This is the Dario Betti, I'm the CEO of MEF, the Mobile Ecosystem Forum. Today I'd like to welcome you to a new format for MEF, or something we haven't done for a while at least, which is a MEF podcast. More specifically, this is a series of podcasts about blockchain and the world around blockchain. And for a topic like that, MEF has got his own advisor. We're very and uh, fortunate to, to work with uh, Daniela Menzi. So, Daniela, hi. welcome to our Hi, hi. Nice, to, nice to talk to you. It's a pleasure for me. It's a, you know, it's a great privilege to be here and uh, being a blockchain advisor for Mobile Ecosystem Forum because there's a, there's a lot of potential in the mobile industry to shape new things uh, within the blockchain uh, space. So, I'm very, very happy to positively contribute to this uh, uh, probably change. Yeah, happy to be here. Oh, thank you, Daniele. And uh, today, the first one, I think, is a, is a good option to actually introduce the topic more than anything else. So it'll be a nice one-on-one on blockchain for everybody that wants to understand a bit more uh, what, what is behind one of the, the key uh, words for the last three, four years in terms of technology and development. Before we do that, Daniele, can I ask you to say a few words about yourself? Uh, yeah. History. So yeah, so um, when I have to describe myself, I usually start from the present and <laughs> from the past. So in fact, I am a technology entrepreneur. I'm all in uh, into the blockchain and cryptocurrency space at the moment. Um, I um, I am the chief marketing officer for Nextash. Nextash is a regulated exchange. Um, uh, being able to trade any any digital assets uh, uh, with global fashion. And, uh, and I co-founded also uh, two companies uh, still in the blockchain space, uh, which leverage on this technology then to deliver value to their stakeholders without going too much in the details. Uh, but first and, and foremost, uh, I'm, um, I'm all in uh, into, uh, into the cryptocurrency space. I'm a deeper believer of the true nature of a, a decentralized world for good and but also uh, very keen to support the transition from a centralized world to a decentralized. This, doesn't, this will not happen in a matter of days or years. So, and I would like to facilitate this process. I'm talking and working as I'm doing on a daily basis with policymakers, with journalists, with a newspaper, educating, uh, explaining to customers on how to transition uh, the current world, which is uh, designed to function in a centralized world to a more decentralized and hopefully more democratic world. Oh, which is great. So, Daniela, we, with you, we have somebody that doesn't simply know about the stuff, is, is doing it. So you're a practitioner of blockchain, not, not just a, a consultant or somebody with experience yes. in theory. So, great. So we can even talk about more about the real world and what's happening um, in blockchain. Nevertheless, nothing can start unless you tell us exactly what is blockchain because it might be um stupid questions but i still get a lot of people and myself i'm not sure i know it 100 percent. what's behind this blockchain what do we mean by blockchain yeah first of all i think we should spend a few minutes to um to explain uh, what the blockchain is uh, sometimes you see blockchain and next to it you see dlt or distributed ledger technology and still next to it, you see Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, okay? So I think it's worth highlighting the main differences among uh, all these uh, buzzwords. 
So let's start from the, from the simpler, which is the blockchain. So the blockchain is, a, uh, we can see the blockchain as a set of databases. And a database is composed by a set of uh, transactions and ledgers. Was state is maintained by a multitude of nodes spread on different locations. So it's nothing more than a distributed database which is maintained by, let's say, different system administrators in the old fashion terminology of system and database administration. So imagine, imagine 10 databases running at the same time, all copied each other, the same state, all synchronous. Whenever a new transaction comes in, those 10 databases updates uh, uh, automatically each other. So the blockchain uh, has uh, enlarged these uh, centralized vision of having system administrators that back up database uh, in uh, one, two, three, four instances by replicating on a scale this principle by having thousands and thousands of databases running simultaneously from different places of the world without having uh, the possibility to concentrate the risk of failure into one single database, okay? On top of it, there is a protocol, okay, which defines the rule under which each node or a multitude of nodes should validate the transaction that has to be written in the database, okay? Those protocols are those which have been created as, uh, for example, cryptocurrencies. For example, Bitcoin is nothing more than a protocol which defines a set of rules that every single node execute to validate a transaction. So the fundamental difference between Bitcoin and blockchain is that Bitcoin is a protocol under which the blockchain operates. So could you say that Bitcoin, well, sorry, that the blockchain is the, the piping and sometimes it's with the, the, the cryptocurrency word, it's a, a protocol on top, is the actual the flowing of the water, the information, the protocol right. and so on. Yeah? yeah. So right. it's, it's kind of the fundamentals and something you build on top. Right. On very in questions on the fundamental than I have heard from others as well. So does it mean that these, everybody will replicate every single part of his database. So the database will exist complete everywhere. Yeah. Or is it more likely you're gonna have different pieces and you will no. have to put it together? No, no. So then it depends on, uh, so there are different types of protocols. Um, there are different levels of a protocol, but to stay simple without going too much in the technical detail. So uh, in every node, you have the so-called chain of all the transactions that ever happened onto that protocol. So then it depends whether you want to, uh, uh, you want to keep uh, a real-time copy of all the database and then resynchronize real-time everything and in very time and energy cons consuming, or you want to gain efficiency in the protocol just to validate, for example, the last three blocks in order not to reload everything in every single transaction. This is dependent on the protocol itself. So, and protocols, I mean, uh, you heard of many of them, for example, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple, but on the Bitcoin itself, then there are, let's say, new uh, uh, developments of the Bitcoin that enhance the behavior of the Bitcoin, like uh, Lightning Network. But without going, again, uh, this is the first podcast, probably <laughs> we're going too much in the details. I think the, it's very, it should be very, very important for people to understand 
that uh, so Bitcoin and general cryptocurrencies are protocols that govern the nodes that are participating uh, uh, to validate transactions to the network. And uh, so when you have Bitcoin and another a protocol, like for example, Ethereum, the behavior of uh, the validation and the consensus under which the transaction are validated is significantly different. So every protocol, every protocol has its own governance. Every pro protocol is set to its own rule. And, and uh, um, so it's, I think it's worth understanding uh, the difference among them in order to decide whether, for example, it's more interesting to build an application on top of one protocol and another one. And then let's tell uh, all of our listeners, so why should we care about a new database structure? Well, what are we going to do with it? What, what's the value that uh, blockchain may bring to us? Let's say the fundamental, um, the fundamental uh, uh, innovation, let me call it like this, which is rather disruptive, that blockchain and Bitcoin uh, as the first cryptocurrency bring is that uh, they created a decentralized way of doing things. This is something that uh, it has existed already in a, in a peer-to-peer application back in early 2000, but let's say this is a, a real application of a, a new uh, uh, architecture of how things can be done. In our traditional world, uh, we are subject to a set of rules that are governed by a single body. Think about a bank, think about a government. So there are rules, and, and depending on the rules, people behave accordingly. Into the blockchain, and particularly into the Bitcoin, uh, all this is being uh, reversed. Because you have, so the ambition is to have a, a truly decentralized world, which means that anyone can participate and no single party can oversight or overrule the decision that the consensus uh, has obtained. So that's the main paradigm shift of uh, blockchain and Bitcoin as opposite to what has happened so far in our way of designing process and thinking. So who should be looking at blockchain right now? Who should be saying this is something that could change my world? Is it just the banks? I mean, today, cryptocurrency uh, are broadly, uh, um, let's say, uh, accepted and broadly uh, used, even though inclusion, I'm talking about billions of people, is not yet there. Perhaps we can talk later about this point. Uh, but uh, anytime there is a, there is a need, uh, to do a transaction which requires someone to validate it, then perhaps it's worth highlighting and, and um, seeing this from a, from a distributed perspective because uh, there might be the need to get into efficiency. To give an example, uh, when we buy a property today, what we're going to make sure that the transfer of property happen uh, um, in the proper way. We go to a notary, and then the notary makes sure that party A can sell that property that belonged to him in order to sell this to party B. And then what he's making is just uh, doing the settlement uh, of the transaction uh, over on, on a registry and then is going to somewhere, it might change from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, to register this transaction. So this is an example of uh, how can be this type of things uh, reversed in a decentralized world where those nodes, which I mentioned before as validators, 
can act as a notary to register that very transaction. So imagine a world where transfer of property can happen without going to the notary, for example. So then you uh, submit the, uh, uh, the request of selling your, for example, property, provided that you can provide the, the proof of uh, property, for example, that could be a key which is being provided to you, which allow you to transact uh, as the owner of that property. And then those nodes can act as the validator for the transaction in a completely digitized and automatic manner. So as transfer of property can be registered and happen uh, on a fully digitized world with the same level of security. And so let me ask you, probably even just uh, to give uh, the final part of our one-to-one, um, telecommunication, the telecommunication world has always been keen to understand new trends and even, even pushing new trends. Now, is blockchain touching telecommunication uh, or are they different operators or telecommunication players, solution providers looking at blockchain as well? Is something happening with blockchain and telecom? Yeah, is the, um, on the blockchain, so on the telco in general space, um, I mean, um, there's already operators which have stepped into it. So for example, uh, last but not least, if you take the Libra Association, so there are two operators which are part of the 28 members so far, which are Vodafone Group and uh, Iliad Group. So they are taking active steps uh, to join uh, uh, the Libra Association, meaning using Libra and the Libra, so the Calibra wallet as a mean of exchange uh, value uh, over transactions. So uh, how can the telco industry benefit from blockchain as a whole? I would say from, from a twofold perspectives. So number one, uh, uh, blockchain, and I'm not talking about cryptocurrency right now, so blockchain provides values anytime there are transactions which are, among, which are shared among different parties. Think about the number portability today. So and the cost of maintaining a, a synchronized database across different parties then can be optimized and uh, improved uh, in terms of timing and efficiency uh, by using, uh, uh, for example, blockchain. I mean, I remember in my old days of being director of customer service, uh, how painful was the process at the expense of uh, customer experience uh, by not having a real-time portability. Probably things have changed so far, but at the same time, the process was, was really expensive uh, overall. So by having, for example, a centralized database as opposite to a blockchain, uh, then you can, you can unlock a lot of uh, cost and uh, and uh, experience of your clients uh, to the benefit of uh, a better experience. Um, that's just an example. Another example could be um, anytime there is, a, there is a share of data among operators, uh, of course, in fully compliance with the applicable jurisdictions, then uh, it's always a painful exercise to filter data and, and share with uh, operators and, uh, and uh, making sure the data are properly uh, uh, filtered and uh, properly collected and, and even more properly maintained, avoiding breach of security and uh, having the proper oversight there. 
But the, by thinking uh, in a completely decentralized and eventually permissionless, which is a topic which we didn't address so far, uh, that could be a lot of, uh, a lot of improvement uh, into the process. Again, I'm thinking much more uh, on, on the experience point of view. Think blockchain is a mean of rethinking the way our processes have been designed so far to think in a much more direct to consumer fashion. So that's the big opportunity I do see there. The technical design, of course, is very important. But I think uh, uh, the biggest opportunity for telco is to rethink customer experience in a, in a more distributed manner to provide benefit to their clients. Well, and uh, I'll probably add to that some of the things we've heard from different uh, discussions in GSMA, I think is looking at roaming, one of the examples you just mentioned, the complex data to be shared and so on. Um, and who knows what else? Uh, I think that for today, probably, our 101 is almost time-wise finished. Any final remarks, Daniela, you would like, you know, what do we need to know on blockchain right now? Uh, spending time on it <laughs> and uh, possibly uh, uh, try to see uh, uh, how, what blockchain is and crypto from your own perspective. Because uh, uh, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of information on the web for example, when I do see price prediction of uh, cryptocurrency uh, and people uh, based their judgment, based on an article they've seen saying Bitcoin will go to 200,000 US dollars in two years from now. So I would, I would say, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying to educate yourself, making sure you see this from your own perspective, because sooner or later, this is something that will touch you. I think it's better for people to understand so as to build uh, its own uh, reaction plan and eventually build uh, something that creates value for its own perspective and, uh, and future. Well, with that, I think there's a thank you to Daniela and we'll speak soon again with our podcast about blockchain. Thank you all. And thanks My for pleasure. Daniela. Thank you. My pleasure.